What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Star Wars Thrawn. You're listening to Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. War is in your blood. A Utini production. I study the art of war. Episode number 80, Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising Roundtable Part 1. Work to perfect it. On this episode, new Star Wars novel releases. But you, you were forged by it. And the Utini team talks about the latest Thrawn novel by Timothy Zahn. And I would like to keep it that way. And now, here are your hosts. May I introduce... Dr. Corey Hilton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Yes! All right! Hello, everyone! Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me for the first time in what feels like centuries is the full squad of doctors. First, we got Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, man. Oh, you got Sorry, I thought you were just... I just heard you aspirate from states away. I thought you were going to introduce Charles first. You were, like, joining us for... Woo! Off to a great start. Here we go. All right, that's uh, Corey. We what's also, up, friends? All right, now we'll do the second intro. Dr. Charles Hank, <laughs> Hey, guys, what's going on? Uh, I've been seeing a lot of the Twitter rumor uh, mills going. I was not fired from this show, okay? I want to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> I was busy. <laughs> you were busy. You are here to, to do whatever the heck it is we keep doing. We're so happy to have you back. And, of course, we have the man behind the keys himself, making us all look so pretty, Wes Jenkins. What's up? Glad to have you back, Charles. We missed you dearly. Thank you, sir. I didn't miss you, Charles. <laughs> you told me off. You you told me off air. You can't take that back. <laughs> we got the receipts. Oh right. uh, well, if this is your first time joining us, welcome everyone. Uh, this we are the Living Force Podcast. We are the official podcast of UTNE.com. Uh, one of the most inclusive and positive fan communities in the galaxy. If you're new to reading Star Wars, you got to check out UTNE.com. We got reviews. We got reading guides. We got everything you need to dive into and explore the Star Wars galaxy. And, of course, we got our vibrant online community at utini.com slash discord with some of the best people on the internet. I'm just saying, I've met them digitally, and they're very cool. Uh, we talk about all things Utini over there, all things Star Wars. And, of course, we have a Patreon, jam-packed with hours of extra content at patreon.com slash utini. We host this live show on Twitch every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the audio podcast is released Thursdays for our patrons and Fridays for everyone. Thanks for joining us. All right. Hi, guys. Hello. What's up? Hi. What's up? Oh. I'm very excited. Yeah. How, we haven't done this in, in so long. It's been you know, a while. Four of us. We haven't been together in at least a month-ish. How long did you do that rotation, Yeah, Charles? a month. I mean, it was all of September. Believe me, I counted the hours. What did you... Uh, <laughs> what did you uh let the listeners in a little bit on 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 some of the the life of dr charles hank a little bit what were you doing uh yeah i was working in the medical icu so the sickest of the sick in the hospital um right now unfortunately that means a lot of covid um slam packed mm -hmm. teams the whole time i mean working most probably on average about 80 hours a week which is like the max you're really allowed to work as a resident uh and I don't remember much of it because I've blacked it all out and now I'm here. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> well, most importantly, before you got here, uh, your very own Miami Heat won a game in the NBA Finals. You are repping that shirt. Uh, and I do think Charles had texted you this a while or throughout the month. Your misery 
is the reason that the Heat are doing so well. Well, then maybe I need to go back to the ICU at least for the next three (laughs) games or so. (laughs) Well, if that's worth it, um, then I'm afraid we can't let you do that. Because, (laughs) everyone, this is part one of a two-part roundtable on Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising. Uh, We cannot wait. Uh, I'll speak for all of us. We can't wait to talk about it in here just a little bit. Uh, We have a little bit of business to get to before that, though. I'm very excited to welcome a new patron. Um... Am I welcoming a new patron? Wait a minute. No, I'm not. Am I? I it's written know, here. You? I don't think so. Hold no, our patron off. of the week. That's what it is. My mistake, yes. everyone. Well, hey, if you were a new patron, that's the intro you could have gotten. So <laughs> just know <laughs> that if you want to go to <laughs> your patreon.com slash utini and sign up this week, I'll try to replicate that next week. But most importantly, everyone, we want to kick it over to our patron of the week this week, Ken Jackson. Wes, if you'd be so kind. Greetings, Utini community. My name is Ken. I'm from Blissfield, Michigan, and I was selected as the Patron of the Week. Now, my love for Star Wars first began when the special editions came out in theaters. I remember my parents taking me to see it and just being terrified when Darth Vader first came on screen. But I loved the droids, and 3PO and R2 really helped me see it through to the end. And I'm so glad, because when that Death Star blew up, It blew my mind also, and to this day, that's my favorite Star Wars movie. Not long after that, my grandma took me to the bookstore. Like so many other Utini members, I remember walking in and just seeing hundreds of Star Wars books on the bookshelf. I had no idea there was this many Star Wars books. I selected X-Wing Rogue Squadron just because I liked the cover art, and it ended up being one of my favorite series of both Legacy and Canon. I was first introduced to Utini when Corey came on another podcast to talk about the bookshelf he had created as well as the book boxes he was shipping out. Now you might recognize me from a lot of the unboxing photos I used to post on Facebook, mostly with my dog. Now I came for the books, but I stuck around for the community. From the Facebook page, to the Discord, to the podcast, you guys are all awesome and I'm proud to be a part of this community. Now, I'm most looking forward to the conclusion of the Alphabet Squadron series. It really harkens back to the old X-Wing series, which, as I've said, got me started and is one of my favorites. And I would really love to see uh, how this story wraps up. Since it's October, I'd really like to ask the hosts, if you could have one horror-themed canon book, what would it be? Thank you for listening. It's been an honor to be selected as the Patron of the Week. Now let's get back to the show. Wow. Ken, coming in with the <laughs> multicam setup, the oh OG Utini book box and poster. I saw that uh, totally not copyright Thrawn poster in the background. Like, Ken, right. Ken is, an, like you said, he's an OG Utinian. That was awesome. He has. Ken has literally been around since, like, the absolute very beginning. I mean, like, he was, like, like his name was on so many boxes. Like, I, I would have to actually look to see who was on first, him or Patrick. They were both on absolutely forever like back when we were shipping book boxes out and like there's a couple things about that video we have to break down first of all <laughs> ken was ken was wearing a microphone it had a multi-cam setup that was like a, the new standard for patron of the week video yeah what you're trying fantastic. to say here ken like i mean we got right. one camera here <laughs> i'm not getting a lapel mic there was My a gosh. there was a thron jersey in the background yeah, you guys yeah. that? That, was jersey. that was yeah. sick he Excellent. held on to the original Book box? Yeah, what have you been doing God, with that box? What's in the God, box? I remember the Slack day when 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 you got the Utini brand tape and we're like, this is it, That's this right. is the one. Yeah, how excited oh, are you when you got that? It like, was pretty jacked. It was cool. Well, hey, I still have a bunch of that laying around the tape. We ever need it shipped anywhere? I had a bunch of it left. So, well, okay, well, here we go. Future Patreon perk: Utini tape. Uh, <laughs> but let's address Ken's question. It is October now, my favorite month of the year, not only because it's my birthday month, but it is. Um, Ken asked us if we could have one horror-themed canon book, what would we want? Now, obviously, we got Dark Legends that had a bunch of short stories, but anything popping out to you guys? We, we, In all fairness, we did listen to this earlier, and I said, oh, we have time to think about it. <laughs> I did not. So yeah, I I don't really think about it either. But something that just comes to mind, like mm-hmm. just right off the top of my head, um, do you remember the the episode of Clone Wars where um, like Ahsoka and that old guy they go off on that like kind of adventure together to um, like try to figure out. Let's see, am I thinking about this right? Was it a killer? 
Was it a murder? Yeah, it was a murder, right? Yeah, yeah. That, and it's, it ends up being those two oh, alien Oh, it's Anube. Yes, yeah, yeah. Ahsoka and Kenube, and there's these two alien alien ladies that are like like super guilty, yep, and they yep, run from yep, her, yep. and they get her lightsabers. Okay, you remember that that yes. entire arc? Okay, so how about a a horror book that's like similar vein in that there's like a serial killer on Coruscant or something mm-hmm. like that. Like that'd be not a Jack the Ripper yes. type killer. Exactly. Like like this is like <laughs> nothing like that has ever been done before. We have stuff like uh, like uh, what's that? What's the what book we read? Death back Troopers. In the day? Death Troopers. Death Troopers. Yeah, we yeah. have like zombie stuff, and we have the the mind control stuff of the Geonosians and the Clone Wars and stuff. But we don't have anything that's just like straight murder, right? Like yeah, we don't. Sicko, we don't there's too much crazy hope person. and light and like civility. We need some <laughs> straight up murder. Uh, yes. I, I do like that. I also think that maybe we could get an expansion on the uh, the Geonosis worm story. Like those those Clone Wars episodes are so terrifying when the the brain worms take over uh, Ahsoka and all them. So as far as straight up horror goes, I think that would you gotta go to something kind of biological and creepy. Maybe that's because I'm reading NJO right now and I'm into like the Yuuzhan Vong stuff. Yeah, so like bio terror <laughs> is just absolutely horrifying. And I gotta shout out in the chat. Uh, we got Spice Den and Meg saying uh, the Galaxy of Fear just canonize it. There yes. you go. It's yes. been written. I, yes. I think I want, I want uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's Darth Maul with little lightsaber fingers. That's what <laughs> I want. Done. <laughs> and he gets in your dreams. <laughs> do, do you remember all the spoofs of uh, all the different lightsabers when we first saw Kylo Ren's lightsaber? Yeah, like the, the Swiss the Army Monica. knife. The Hanukkah Swiss Army Knife. <laughs> the Swiss Army Knife. Yeah, excellent. Oh, those are all what about, great. What about uh, Jocasta New as a like Hansel and Gretel type oh. witch? Oh, yes. my God. That's yes. so that's, That lures all the young ladies oh my into, God. and then eats them. Listen, there was there was a there was a Hansel and Gretel like live action movie thing that we watched when I was a kid in like second grade. We had to get permission like to see it because mm-hmm. it was like kind of violent and stuff. And like the witch like takes the kids in and like like fattens them up and turns them into gingerbread people and, and stuff. And it was like it was so graphic it traumatized me as a kid. Like I still Dude, frequently yeah. think about this. Frequently. It was awful. It was so scary. Sorry yes, about that, Corey. We <laughs> talking about it last week. I'm like every time the lights like, ready some therapy. Dude, the amount of, of, of movies and, and books I feel like that I was exposed to in school where children just straight up died is kind of concerning when I look back on it. Like teachers were always like, could be you. How else did Any you day? turn down all that candy from white vans? I mean, honestly. Yes. Yeah, we have to learn like, this somehow. This candy from white men. I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, the razor blades. Uh, well, thank you, Ken, uh, for that question and for such a great segment and for being here, man. Uh, throughout all of it, we're so happy to have you here. And we're excited to see who next week's patron of the week will be as well. A couple things before we get into Thrawn now. Uh, for book release news, I actually had a little bit of a special thing this week. Uh, this week, a kid's book, quote-unquote, comes out called, here it is, A Jedi You Will Be by Preeti Cheever. Uh, she is an author that's uh, been has a very vibrant Twitter presence. Uh, she's been writing a bunch of cool stuff, and she wrote this book, uh, Disney Lucasfilm, were kind enough to send it to me. And if you got younglings, y'all, that's like real-life kids, uh, <laughs> it, it, this is it's seriously a must-read. The, the book, essentially, is told from the point of view of Yoda... Uh, to the reader, to the child, essentially reading it, and it goes through Luke's trials uh, in The Empire Strikes Back on his first trip to Dagobah. And it's Yoda kind of teaching you as you watch Luke train, and it's got this really beautiful artwork stuff, like if I can show these pages here. Like, it's like very Dr. Seussian kind of deal. Yeah. Um, and it's really gorgeous, it's really sweet, and I gotta say, as I was reading it, I was surprised, even as an older person without kids, like, I was really emotionally just kind of charmed because it reminds you of the first time that you met Yoda whenever you watch that book, that movie for the first time. So, real quick, super mini review. A Jedi You Will Be. It comes out tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, October 6th. So, if you're listening to this uh, later on in the week, you can go pick that up right now uh, with the Utini affiliate link, of course. Oh, and a, sh- and a shout out to uh, Mike Diaz, who illustrated the book beautifully. Uh, definite must add to every person's shelf. So we don't talk a lot about kids' books on here, but because I got sent that, I wanted to, to shout it out and say that sometimes 
the younger reader Star Wars books can be a little a little too juvenile, a little, uh, they don't really do a whole lot for you, but even if you're a little older, it's not going to be a missing, like, missing fables level Dark Legends type storytelling, but it will make you feel nice and warm inside, and you know what, in 2020, maybe, maybe we need it, you know, maybe you need Master Yoda to tell you it's all going to be okay, so, A Jedi You Will Be comes out tomorrow, definitely check it out. Additionally, on November 10th, as we want to remind you, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back is going to be released. And if you're watching in the chat right now, tomorrow, Tuesday, on Twitter, on both the Del Rey Star Wars Twitter account and the Utini Twitter account, we'll be following along, they're going to be releasing all kinds of things about the authors, what stories they are writing, what characters they're writing. So make sure you get on that, pre-order that book. It's going to be a freaking blast. All right, Charles, you've had a month off. Time to get to work, kid. <laughs> Go! I hope I remember how to do this, but uh, all right. <laughs> let's 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 start with the plot synopsis like we always do. Uh, Star Wars Throne Ascendancy, Chaos Rising by Timothy Zahn tells the story of the start of Grand Admiral Thrawn's rise to power amidst his own people in the previously unexplored Chiss Ascendancy. When the homeworld of the Chiss is attacked by another alien group amidst the chaos, the Chiss Aristocra demands reciprocation. However, General Bakif suspects there is more behind the attack than meets the eye. To discover the intricacies of the plot against the Chiss, he calls on the expansionary fleet's most cunning and unique officer, Thrawn. Together with Arlani, Thrawn must challenge both the mysterious alien threat and the philosophy of his own people if he's to save the entirety of the Chiss Ascendancy. All right, guys, rate the book 1 to 10. Don't tell me why just yet. Uh, Corey, let's go to you first. I want to go last. You want to go last? <laughs> Yes, All right, well, forget you right, too then. Eric, what do you think about this book? All right, uh, I'm going to give this book a 9.4. Wow. 9.4. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is a good one. Um, Wes, do you have a ranking for this book yet? I think it's really good so far, okay. and I should probably give you one next okay. week. <laughs> have, there we go. Have you, have you finished A Jedi You Will Be yet? <laughs> <laughs> that's um, the one that's keeping me from finishing. <laughs> I I am going to give this book a eight point nine. Solid, Ooh, solid. Breaking off okay. nine. All right, all right. You ready? I'm ready. I'm giving this book a. Oh my team. god! Oh Yo! wow! Yo! Yes, it happened. I, I'm giving this book. Wow. A, perf- a perfect 10. And, like, the reason I wanted to go last is because I know we, we don't usually dive into our reviews, like, very much this early in the show, but I wanted to give you a, a short, like, spiel mm-hmm. here. Like, okay, so at Utini, we try to objectively judge books based on five different categories, right? Plot, characters, originality, writing, and entertainment, right? And I think this book is nearly perfect individually in almost all of those categories. Like, the plot moves along fantastically. The characters, this is like some of the best Thrawn writing I think we've ever seen from Timothy Zahn. Um, I think it's incredibly original. I mean, he's been thinking about like the Chiss, the Chiss culture for like, God, what, three decades now? Yeah, like, yeah. 30 the years. Writing, year. Yes, the writing is sheer flawless. Like, Timothy Zahn is really showing his experience here. And I couldn't put this book down. Like, I listened to the audiobook and it was absolutely phenomenal. Like, absolutely phenomenal. So, Based on the audiobook experience that I had and those five individual categories, I think it has to be a perfect 10 from my perspective. Wow. Dang. There it is. And I th- they're asking in the chat. I, this is, I believe, the first perfect 10 we've had on this show, uh, at least for full-on roundtables. Definitely from Corey. It is. I'm a, I'm, Here it is. I'm a fairly critical person, too. So. Oh, like, yeah. Like, you don't like things. This is, this is that's huge. Right. That's right. So, like... I was like, I, I think I talked to you, Eric, a little bit about this when we were mm-hmm. reading the book. I was like, dude, I think I'm going to give this book a perfect 10. Like, it was, I just absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. And you guys have heard me talk about the original Thrawn book, like, a, well, the canon mm-hmm. Thrawn book, like the first of this series. Mm-hmm. It's definitely in my top five. And I thought this was, like, leaps and bounds ahead wow. of that book. So, Is this yeah. your favorite canon novel ever? <sighs> it's up there. It's like, it's up there. Like, it, it might not be my favorite canon novel, but like yeah, it's in like the master and apprentice range at least. It, yes. Oh God, absolutely. Like if I had to choose between this and master and apprentice, it'd be hard. It would be wow. very hard. I think for me, uh, I, and I, and I want to say before we jump into on my, on my end for my ranking again, not explaining it to that level, but I do think this is the best Thrawn book 
we've gotten Legends or Canon. I think it's the best book Zahn has written purely from a technical standpoint as well. So yeah. I'm going to second those. All right. Well, let's waste no time then and talk about why it's so good. We're going to kick things off uh, with the characters. And who else are we going to start with other than Thrawn himself? So let's quickly just talk about the impact that Thrawn has had on Star Wars as a whole, both Legends and Canon. How important is he and how does he rank amongst your favorite characters? And with that in mind, how has this particular installment of his story affected that? Man, Thrawn has been around for such a long time. Yeah. Like, like we've said this multiple times on the show before, but, like, I feel like we all owe Timmy Dizan so much. Like, because, I mean, he really is credited with, with kind of kicking this whole thing off because he wrote maybe not, like, the first, like, successful Star Wars books, but, like, he definitely wrote the first, like, like highly recognized run of New York Times bestseller list for like multiple weeks in a row. Like, like he's sort of credited with bringing life to the Star Wars expansion. Yeah, and he he like pushed it forward. Like a lot of the other ones before, and like the like the Brian Daly books and the Lando books were like they're they all happened kind of within the movies timelines. At least Zahn was like cool, and then Episode Seven does this, which yeah, was like exactly huge. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was like on a different a different level. Like yeah. Like, I think that's as both a credit to Zahn's genius and, like, to the freedom that Lucasfilm gave him when he wrote this stuff. Is like he he wanted to write something that was original, but also true to the, like, like original story. I guess like the main mm-hmm. characters and stuff. And I feel like the other authors, Brian Daly, like you mentioned, like they tried to just expand on George Lucas's writing. Maybe they tried right. to be Lucas in a way. They were trying to write like Lucas. So like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just so original, and I mean, I met Timothy Zahn last year at uh, at at Star Wars Celebration, and like, I literally got misty eyed after <laughs> I talked to him. It was such yeah. a strange experience. Like, I was just like, "Man, I've never like had a celebrity like crush like this. This is crazy." <laughs> it was funny, like in in hearing him talk. Like, he's so well spoken, and he's cleaning mm-hmm. around for all of it. Like, Thrawn as a character is like you can't look at you can't look at Thrawn without talking about Zahn. Like, to yeah. the point that, like, I frequently mix up their names when I'm trying to say, yeah, you know, the new Timothy Thrawn book. Like, I say yeah. that all the time because, like, like, they're just, they're similar sounding and in this, they, they have so much weight, like, together. Like, you yeah. can't consider one without the other. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's absolutely true. And I think that's, your opinion of Zahn and your opinion of Thrawn a lot of times are linked. Like, like for me personally, I've, I've liked Zahn a lot. I've liked Thrawn, but he's never been a top-tier character for me. I've, I've appreciated his imp- impact, like you're saying, Corey, and I've appreciated kind of the legacy that he's left behind. But, like, in the Thrawn trilogy, I was always way more interested in, like, the Mara Jade stuff and the main cast stuff. In his canon books, I was more interested in, like, the Anakin or Padme stuff than of him in Alliances or, like... So, so there's never been quite that moment where Thrawn takes center stage, and similarly in Rebels. Like, I really liked the main crew and how they dealt with him as opposed to just him. This book is the moment where I went like, oh, mm-hmm. that's it. Because I think what, yeah. what, what happened in this book specifically, for people like me that may not have loved Thrawn as much, is it made him a well-rounded, vulnerable character with some flaws that was still going to win the day which I think are my favorite kind of heroes. Like, he had really sweet, intimate moments, like with Cherry um, and Thalius and things like that, where he was really caring and, and calm, and you could tell that he actually had a lot of affection for people, and he's not just this closed-off tactician. Yet, he's still the best tactician in the, in the universe. So this is the first time, I think, that those two sides really played well together. So for people that may not have loved Thrawn as much like me, then put him in a top 10 characters list, this book kind of brought our two worlds together, Corey, like from the people that really like you that loved Zahn and put him up there and people like me that maybe were a little hesitant. I think that's right. the beauty of this book. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think you've honestly already kind of touched on the second point that I was going to bring up, which is based on a quote from page 138 about Thrawn, and it's uh, Bakif talking about him. And it says, for a moment, Bakif eyed him. The man was clever enough, and Bakif had seen his strategic and tactical abilities. The question was whether he had perhaps too much confidence in himself. If he did, and if that confidence made him overstep the line, some operation in the future could blow up in his face. And so 
you know, first of all, Eric, you mentioned Rebels, and without, you know, talking too much about spoilers, that's some obvious foreshadowing there. And mm-hmm. uh, second of all, I mean, Eric, again, you, you've said on the show a bunch of times that basically Thrawn was, like, too omniscient. Like, he was basically the yeah. perfect character. He outwitted Vader, you know, for or, or Anakin for an entire book with really no problem. Um, and we never saw him have those moments of weakness. And in this in this book, we not only saw him have to deal with his own past failures, but, you know, also to, uh, to show that, that weak side of him. I mean, he admi- admitted flaws that he had throughout this book. And on page 141, it actually says he was embarrassed. Did you guys ever think we would see Thrawn embarrassed? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, no. And, and, that's it, what it, makes the book, yeah. though. Like yeah. seeing the character development and like seeing, as you said, Eric, seeing Thrawn like not as this ultra invincible Sherlock Holmes genius that mm-hmm. can just, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, like that was our criticisms of kind of like both alliances and uh, what was the third one? Trees and Grisk. Trees and Thrawn Grisk. Thrawn Grisk. <laughs> I think it was called Thrawn Yes, perhaps. that was. I'm not sure. Exactly. That was our criticism of that book. It's like you yeah. have Thrawn in every single scene that he's in. He's just like, oh, yes, like everything that happens, like he's already seen it happen in his head. And it, it gets a little tedious, honestly. Mm-hmm. And like we didn't have that happen in this book. It was different. Yeah, like I did love how much like how much shit the other just would talk about of like to the point where he's amazing in military. What about politics? Nice. No, sucks at that. Yep. Like he's, exactly. he's terrible. And I really yes. liked that, you know, they're able to do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's let's talk about another quote here that I think was important for Thrawn. It's on page 174. It was um, Ziara and Thrawn speaking of the Liawi. And let me do, I should have said this up front, but guys, if I just butcher any of these names, like, I'm sorry, but come <laughs> on. Like, even Mark Thompson had trouble Mark with Mark Thompson, had, yeah, he, he admitted in our interview that he was like, this was a rough Yeah. One. Yes, hearing him hearing him pronounce. I thank God I listened to the audiobook because hearing him pronounce the Leo Leoans. Is how you oh, say that, Leo Leo. Like what? Leo Leo. Leo Leo. Leo. There's not even two L's. Like, how people, is that possible? I know it's. I, I have no idea, but that's how he says it in the audiobook. But like that was painful. Yeah. <laughs> if there's any criticism, that was hard. That was very challenging. Yeah. How was it spelled, it's, it's by the way? I didn't read L I O A O I. It's just all it's just all vowels. <laughs> whole vowels and apostrophes, Leo, this whole book. Maybe it's not maybe it's not a second L, maybe it's Leo Leo Ash. Any anyways, we're this is Ziara <laughs> and Theron talking about those guys. And um, <laughs> it it reads like this. They won't try it again with the ascendancy, he said, he being Thrawn. But the problem remains, as does their chosen remedy. Once they've regrouped and replaced the ships you destroyed, they'll be back, attacking merchants from other systems. What happens to those systems? Ziara shrugged. They'll have to deal with the Liao Liao on their own. <laughs> <laughs> what if they aren't strong enough to do so, Thrawn persisted? Are we supposed to just sit back and watch them suffer? Ziara looked him straight in the eye. Yes. For a moment, they locked gazes. Thrawn turned away first, because we don't interfere in the affairs of others. Would you rather the Ascendancy become guardians for the entire chaos, Ciara asked, because that's where that path would take us. We would rescue one, then another, then a third, until finally we stood alone as bulwark against a thousand different aggressors. Is that what you think we should do? No, of course not, he said, but there has to be a middle ground. So I found this passage in particular to be so interesting, because mm-hmm. what is it about Thrawn that, that drives him to be so involved in the affairs of others in the chaos? Because we see that repeatedly throughout this book. Is it actually a duty to the Triss Ascendancy, who he actually challenges in this passage? Is it just a duty to defend victims against the aggression of others? Um, why does he do it? What do you guys think? So, that's like the question, man. Yeah. Like, and I think that is the beauty of a really good prequel story, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, mm-hmm. like the entire time you're listening to it, reading it, watching it, like you're thinking of how did we get from this to where we know it's going, right? Like, yeah. Like in this, this book is, I think one of the reasons this is so interesting for me is like the entire book, I was like trying to figure out in my head, what is Theron's motivation for being in the empire? Right. Because we've never actually addressed that. Like, so the whole time I was listening to this book and these philosophical conversations he's having about like, 
like taking care of like all these surrounding systems and stuff like we know he's motivated to be in the empire for some reason but why why is it is it like he's hinted that it's going to be to protect the ascendancy somehow right. but like I, I don't know man like i love this stuff though like this this conversations yeah. about like why does thrawn believe what he believes is fascinating yeah i think this book really showed me that thrawn has a lot of empathy at least at this point in his life he's at the point where like like you said in that passage charles he doesn't want to sit by and do nothing while other people suffer and clearly by the time he ends his career with the empire like goes forward with the empire he's able to let go of some of that but then you ask the question does he truly believe that the empire bringing order is the best way to save as many lives as possible because thrawn does repeatedly show in this book that he's not willing to just carelessly sacrifice lives which I think separates him from a lot of battle commanders. But he is very much about how can I save the most people possible? And I will find a logical way to do that. But also we see him forming these individual relationships with people that he clearly values above others. So I think, like like Corey's saying, that's, that does make this so interesting. And I think I'm so glad we clearly have two more books to go with this because I'm excited to see Thrawn's evolution in learning those lessons. Like, does he learn okay, I can't be too emotional because then I will lose this. Or do I learn that sometimes I have to sacrifice systems because it's for the betterment of all? Like, those are hard lessons, and he's clearly already learning them, and I love that. Right, yeah, I I think you guys nailed it, but I think my biggest question is, is the middle path that he's talking about, is that why he's with the Empire? And hopefully we learn that answer eventually. I don't think we'll learn it in this trilogy even because, again, all this takes place beforehand, but... Maybe they'll surprise mm-hmm. us. Um, maybe, yeah. Maybe we'll see him go to the Empire at the end of this. Like, yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they still haven't quite revealed how exactly that happened, right? Like, yeah, they, 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 found him, they found him on that planet. Right. Um, he, said, he, was, like, he said that he was exiled. But it was, was a lie. lie. Yeah, he yeah. lied, and he was sent by the Chist to, like, essentially spy, and then he stayed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all we know so, right yeah. now. Plenty of mystery. Yeah. Um, you know, there was some more mystery surrounding kind of Thrawn's origin. I mean, we, we didn't know really where he came from. We knew he came from the Chiss Ascendancy, but in this book, we actually learned that he um, was not exactly like a high-ranking individual from the beginning, right? He was not actually initially a member of the Myth family, which was one of the nine ruling families, but he was actually adopted into it based on his exceptional uh, skills. And we later learned that the patriarch of the Myth family, whose name was Thoraki, personally chose Thrawn to become a myth. And on page 311, Thoraki, he says about Thrawn, uh, quote, I cannot help but feel that he holds the key to the Ascendancy's future, whether that future be triumph or ultimate destruction. So first of all, what I want to ask is, why do you guys think it's important that Thrawn's origin is outside of those nine ruling families? Why is it important that he is an outsider? Yo, I want to jump on this because, oh my god, that I love this stuff in this book. Tell, Give me 18 volumes on Chiss, hierarchy, merit, adoptive, political trading of bloodline. Like, that was amazing. I loved every second of that stuff. And I think having Thrawn be someone who essentially has to audition to become part of a powerful family because the head of that family that is already trying to be politically taken out of power by lesser people sees that he is the way forward and he represents the progress of the family that is trying to be stalled by the lower people. Like, I, 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 love, I love it so much. And I think, <laughs> yeah. to answer your question, Charles, <laughs> specifically, um, I think Thrawn being an outsider lets him identify with outsiders throughout his career. He can always know what it's like to be someone that is on the outside of power, which means he will always be able to understand people that are trying to take down power. That's why he gets the rebels, because they don't have power. They weren't given anything. And he's like, cool, I know the lengths at which they will go to get it because I wanted to do that myself. <laughs> Thank you. This book's really good. <laughs> I also totally loved all that family stuff, man. And this is what I'm talking about when I talk about the originality, right? Like when I talk about like that part of the Utini score is like, Zahn invented all this stuff. Like, he had to have been no, thinking about that. There's no way that he just invented all this in the last, what, year. Yeah, when, when he got the contract for this one. Yeah, yeah, he was no. like, oh, yeah, you know, I better go, I better go finally think about the Chiss Ascendancy. <laughs> no, man, he's been thinking about this shit for, like, 25 years. Like, it's crazy. Like, 
and I absolutely love this uh, sort of almost like uh, the Godfather type of yeah. like, level of politics mm-hmm. between all the families. I thought it was fantastic, and Thrawn being an an outsider, like like you say, Eric, like maybe that maybe that is the key. Maybe that's why he is so empathetic about quote unquote outsiders to the Chiss Ascendancy. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciate those uh, appreciate those, those bits, bits there, John buddy Bruce. boy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea now, like, you come to me on the day of my daughter's <laughs> wedding. Like, there you go. What's a, exactly. What the heck is in your cheese? Exactly. Um, yeah, so so I think that all that was fantastic. Like, great points. I think it's interesting because I almost expected to go into this book and see Thrawn as not the outsider anymore because that's all we've ever seen him as, and we were going to see him at home. Totally. You know, amongst his own people. Mm-hmm. And nope, you know... It's it's just Zahn like circumventing my expectations once again. He's still an outsider. Uh, I think he always will be, and it's hard not to relate to an outsider, right? Because we've all been there at one point yeah. or another. Like he's still gonna ask for the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> he is not in yet. <laughs> yes, agreed, agreed. And the and the password is Thrawn sucks with an X and an exclamation point. <laughs> 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 all right, so um, we finally learn. Why Thrawn spoke of Skywalkers in such a sad, personal way in earlier Thrawn novels. And we had actually speculated on this show before that he may have had a daughter or something that was a Skywalker. But on page 227, we actually learn that it was an older sister of his who was taken from his family when Thrawn was just three years old. Um, taken off to serve as a Skywalker in you know, the Chiss Expansionary Defense Force. Um, so what impact do you think that had on Thrawn in particular and how does it inform his character? Quite a bit. I'll say like, I think that losing a family member, like an actual family member, right? Cause I mean, the Chiz are so much about political maneuvering that blood family is kind of an afterthought. So to have a blood family member go through this thing that again, at the age of three, he can't understand. It makes perfect sense as to why he feels such a kinship with Cherry and like wants to make sure that she's okay and, and respects every Skywalker he comes in contact with. Like even Thalius when she's younger, like he's like that's why he like they they get along so well because he treats them as people and not as tools from the get go. And I think that little bit of, you know, tenderness is really important for Thrawn going forward. I love I loved that choice. It's it's heartbreaking, but I really loved mm-hmm. it. Eric, was that you that speculated that he had a sister that was a Skywalker? Was it you? Somebody it on this been. show I think I, I think speculated. Daughter, yeah. Somebody speculated he had a daughter or a sister mm-hmm. or something like that. Our family member. I, I thought of. I thought of like our previous talk on this. Like when when he revealed that, I'm like, I think we. I think we called that. On yeah. Course. I'm pretty sure we did. But yeah, I I loved it. I loved that it's it was like barely mentioned. Also, mm-hmm. like it wasn't a huge thing. It was like he used that to connect with. Uh, what was his name again? Jiri. Yeah. Jiri? Not going to lie. I called her Cherie for the entire novel. Because <laughs> I know, cause I know <laughs> yeah, Cherie's in real life. Does. I don't know any Cherries. <laughs> hey, Cherie. Oh, man. Yeah, well, you know, another interesting quote that kind of came out of the whole Skywalker subplot in this book was on page 108. And it's when uh, Thalius is talking to Thrawn about Skywalkers. And she says, the Ascendancy does need us. Perhaps, Thrawn said. She frowned at him. Just perhaps? A conversation for another day, Thrawn said. So I think that begs the question, does Thrawn want to get rid of Skywalkers because of the experience that he had with losing his sister? Hmm. I don't I don't think he wants to get rid of them. I think that's my thing. I, I don't think that he wants them to be over with. I think that he wants them to be respected, and I think he wants to... I mean, I, I, in Thrawn's ideal world... There's like a program for like essentially Skywalker rehab post their use because it seems like a lot of them are kind of discarded mm-hmm. at this point because their their utility is done. The chess seem very utilitarian, right? Like you serve your purpose, but once you're done with that, we don't really care what you do afterwards, and then you kind of just get discarded. So I think that Thrawn recognizes their usefulness and recognizes why the chess need them, but. Having that experience, you, it's kind of like having a family member who's a veteran, I, I suppose. Like, you really kind of get involved in veterans' affairs, and you're like, what happens after? I want to help. That's what I would guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know what to make of it, but I thought that was a very telling quote, and I think we might see that resurface in some of the later novels. 
Um, oh, yeah. If there's anything I'm sure about, it's anything that's like, huh, that's interesting. It's all resurfacing yeah. in the next two. Like, Zahn, he, knows. he didn't... He, he got like so much of that like day old bread from Jimmy John's and just crumbled it all up into breadcrumbs and just <laughs> laid it all over the place, loaves and loaves and loaves. Jimmy Jimmy John specifically, Eric. That's it. Yeah, that they they have the best day old bread fight. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jimmy Thrones. Okay, so um, <laughs> on page three twenty one, Aralani is talking to Thrawn. Uh, and that's still Ziara uh, for those of y'all at home, in case you haven't read this book. Same person. Um, and she's saying, you've been wrong before, you know. And he says, no, you're right. My failure with the Garweans, but this is different. This is war, not politics, which are just two sides of the same coin, Aralani said. You've never understood that or been able to deal with it. I know, Thrawn said. That's why we need to flip this particular coin over to the war side. So again, we see that Thrawn's acknowledging weaknesses. Um, that he knows that he has. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this quote in particular is if Thrawn is in fact sent to the Empire to somehow benefit the Chiss Ascendancy, he sure seems to be quite adept with politics because he seems to be maneuvering, you know, the Empire and and working directly with Palpatine and Vader pretty darn well. He's managed to hide his true motive for all this time. Um, But I think that the statement also might imply that he could actually be trying to flip that coin over to the war side. Like maybe he's there, uh, you know, to have some kind of war initiated between the empire and the Chiss. And I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on this while Coda is initiating a war against me and my left arm with his <laughs> toy. I, I, I keep, I keep seeing your camera oh jiggle. I'm like, that's a tail. There, there's a tail whacking that. It's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so first of all, the, a point I want to make is Arlani in the audiobook is utterly phenomenal. She has this like sort of German accent, I guess. Would you call it a German accent, Eric? I think it's... A, yeah, somewhere. They're definitely Eastern European-ish. Yeah, there's, kind of an Eastern light, European But the lightness accent. still. And, oh my God, Arlani is an absolutely phenomenal character in, I in love the audiobook. Her. I love absolutely. her. Absolutely. She's so good. She's so good. Um, and, uh, okay, so to, to answer, your, answer your question here, like... Are we going to see Thrawn sort of figure out politics, I guess? Or has he figured it out, I guess, is the question, like, by the time he makes it to the Empire. And, like, I think this analogy that he makes here, like, he, the fact that he recognizes that politics and war are, are two sides of the same coin and that the Empire is so political. Like, think about, like, Tarkin mm-hmm. and all the mobs. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very political environment. Like, I think he has figured it out by the time he makes it to the Empire. And I think we're going to see that evolve kind of as this trilogy plays out. Yeah, I think that I, I completely agree. the The fact that Thrawn doesn't know anything about politics and that is continuously brought up in this book, there's no way that can stand for three books, right? They're 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 making such a big deal out of it in the narrative that it's got to be for the purpose of showing an evolution. And I think even by the end of this, Thrawn is learning to play a game, but he's also learning that there is a game. I think that because he wasn't raised in, in like in like the myth family, like he had to get into this, like we said earlier. He wasn't maybe brought up with the knowledge of everything that goes on behind the scenes with the ruling families. So now he's like, okay, I'm going to get a little bit of that. I'm going to learn a little bit more. Uh, And then by the time he gets to the Empire, he's like, oh, I can run circles around you fools. Some good points in the chat, too. John Dutch Vader says kind of a Ukraine accent for... Ooh, yep. Cheryl points out that Eli has to help her own politics a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah when they're at the true. academy together. That's, that's, that's right. Point. That's, that's a really point. good point. And, and, like, maybe that's what Thrawn figures out kind of as this goes on is that, like, he doesn't necessarily need to understand politics or be good at it. He just needs to surround himself with people who are good at it and can teach him, like, the ways, which is what Arlani does in this book for sure. Right. Hey, that's how – I mean, that's kind of the best workplace environment too, right? Like, the best bosses are the people that hire people that know how to do things they can't do. That's also how Utini works. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and everything in, in my life. <laughs> yeah, right? Is it well, I don't know who the Aralani is for Corey, but let's talk about the Aralani to Theron. Um, she's a character that yes. we've known for quite some time now. She actually originated way back in Legends, but it slowly made her way kind of more and more into Theron's story in canon. And this book, I think by far, gave her the most character development. Uh, so what was your impression of the character before this book? And then how did this story in particular change your view? 
I don't think I really cared about her before this book. Like, I mean, she had that short little bit in uh, the in Thrawn Grisk. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's it now. That's it. <laughs> she had that. She had that tiny little bit in that book, Thrawn Treason. But like, we didn't really get much of her there. I didn't listen to the audiobook, so I wasn't expecting the accent um, mm-hmm. there either. And like, so I, I didn't know that she was. I don't know. I, I figured like we had so many jokes about her being a romantic interest of Thrawn's that like. I don't know that I really had much of an opinion of her, but very quickly, like I definitely formed a, a very strong opinion of her in, in this book early on, like their days at the Academy together. And I love, by the way, that Arlani outranked Thrawn for most of the book, yes. like, or the whole book. The whole book. Whole book. I guess the yeah, whole book. She, she yeah. always does. She's, she's a Commodore now and he's mm-hmm. uh, what a senior commander, I guess. So like, I loved that, that she outranked him and could kind of boss him around and stuff, but always had his back also. So it was fantastic. That early academy stuff was 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 fantastic. I think yeah. I I totally fell in love with Arlani during the scene where uh, she called in General Bakif and they ran that drill against uh, against Thrawn. Yes, great scene, absolutely yeah. great scene. Like it felt like freaking Ender's Game. Like yeah. like the way yeah. he was like doing the stuff and moving the ships around and fantastic. Yeah, she's like, hey, watch this. This is awesome. Uh, I agree. I'm also gonna for our audio friends. I'm gonna crack a Lacroix here. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to do it while someone else was talking. Uh, I'm going to take this moment to officially say that I was right in my Thrawn Treason prediction. <laughs> uh, Thrawn and Arlani banged. I'm gonna, they? Gonna, no, they did. Oh, no, I, no, but I'm going to take that I have, now. I have definitive proof. I have definitive proof. Do okay, I need to read a passage for you, for Corey? Read it, please. Read, read the passage. It, yes. All right. Is it after they went on Listen, a date? Yes, it, it, it happened Listen. in the audiobook. I was no, not No, this certain. is this I is the pa- I saved this specifically to give Eric his due and he's skipping ahead. He can't yes. wait. So let's just go ahead and do this. <laughs> I can't wait. I love it so much. Page 102. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite couples in This Star is page Wars. 102 <laughs> after a trip to a museum together as I'm sure you'll remember. And Thrawn says to Aralani, "Are you assuming we'll one day be at war with each other?" "Yes, and sooner than you think," Ziara said with a smile. Because after you finish, we're going to go downstairs to the dojo and go a couple rounds. I see. I see, Thrawn said. Stick or unarmed? Ziara gave him the choice. He chose stick. Yeah, he did. (laughs) That is definitive proof. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. Oh, Oh, Corey, it was. It was. Oh I'll tell you that. It's one of those. It's one of those things that where it's more meaningful that we don't see it. You know what I mean? It's left right. unwritten. Yeah. It's right. left unspoken. Yeah, I mean, it's listen, like we, every we, good we video both... game sex scene where like the two characters like lean in and the screen just goes dark and then it goes light and it's the next morning and you're like, that's right, got it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you know, I hate to be, I hate to be that guy, but like, I think I prefer that in Star Wars. Like, like yeah. Star Wars is. Like the romance is light, I think, in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things. And like we get we get some sex scenes in a couple of books, a couple of young mm-hmm. adult books specifically. Like, and I'm like, eh, do we need a do we need an Arlani sex scene? Like, I don't know that we do. And honestly, I'm not sure that I could I could read the passage without picturing Timothy Zahn writing it, which kind of freaks <laughs> me out. I'm not gonna lie. He was definitely writing yeah, it in that he, black uh, turtleneck. So. Grand Admiral Thrawn. <laughs> His black turtleneck. He's riding it. I'm just like, oh, man. He wears that to shower, I swear. He's like, and then, uh, and then Thrawn reached his he's, language. He's like a bucket Thrawn hat and a chain away from Run body. DMC. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, but man. all this to say, I did love Arlani in this book. I agree with everything Corey said. I loved the power she had. I loved how much she, she trusted Thrawn's instincts and like fought for him by also being like, Okay, this this might mess up my future career, but I I gotta do what I believe is right, and I'm not gonna let these like, frankly like, dumb men that outrank me like boss me around. I'm I know I'm correct, and I'm not gonna take no for an answer. And yeah, I also just love the. I mean, it's a cute. It's Timothy Zahn writing like cute date dialogue. It's yeah. I never thought we'd get that, and he's really good at it. Like it, it yeah, it's all tasteful. Aside, it's really good. And, and very really true to the characters, like, like yeah, the whole and, museum scene when they go to the museum together. Uh, it's very true to the one characters. One of my favorite parts of the whole book. Yeah. yeah, and I love that Thrawn doesn't get it. Like, you're, like he just doesn't understand what's going on. And Aralani is really like trying to be like my guy, yo. Right. 
Like, this is a date, and he's like, but the artwork. <laughs> Let me show you how we can kill all these aliens because of the artwork. Yeah. Like I feel like someone would be like, hey, so how long have you guys been dating? And Arlani's like, seven months, and Thrawn's like, we're dating? <laughs> like, it exactly. would be one of those. Exactly. Like, Shut up, honey. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, well, speaking of, you know, how important Arlani is to the character of Thrawn, let's get to page 172, and it's... But Keith and Ziara talking about Thrawn, and actually, Eric, you kind of uh, paraphrased this quote earlier on, but uh, Keith says, your assessment, senior captain, nodding towards the closed door, he's brilliant, sir, Ziara said, excellent strategist and tactician, and his political shrewdness, poor to non-existent. Agreed, Bakif said. He's <laughs> it's my, one of my favorite quotes of the right? whole book. It's so good. Uh, and Bakif says he's going to need a steady hand, both to guide him and to prevent him from continually grabbing the wrong end of the fire stick. So, I just realized this is an, uh, maybe another reference to the dojo. But do you? Th- <laughs> I apologize. It's getting late, y'all. Um, do you think that Aralani is serving that purpose? Like, is it her that prevents him from? from you know getting into so much trouble and if so what makes her the best person to serve in that role i I think arlani is a genius a different way than thrawn is a genius like she's a brilliant tactician but she's like she's a little better at like the big picture view i think whereas thrawn Mm -hmm. is like this nitty-gritty like he sees the angle on the ship and that means that it's gonna that these ships are gonna behave this way and like like he's really into the like the nitty gritty like changing tactics based on tiny little details, and Arlani is a little more big picture. Let's let's like see how all this fits together, politics included. So, okay, yeah, I I agree with both of you. I mean, I think Arlani is incredibly important to the character of Thrawn, and uh, and we see that repeatedly throughout this book. She really helps him figure out even his own leadership style, and that's both by being. Um, I think an example for him as someone again who is you know senior to his own rank, um, and just as a friend as well. Um, now on page three thirty one, yeah. we see Thrawn first make the statement that he views others as merely quote assets, and later on page three seventy eight, Thrawn again makes that point while talking about Aralani, and he says, "Where I see Nonchis as assets, she sees them as people." Thalias looked over mm-hmm. at Cherry. A lot of people saw Skywalkers as just assets, too. Makes her a good commander. Indeed it does, Thrawn said. Certainly a better commander than I. So in your view, is Aralani the better commander? Oh, man. That is, that is an excellent question. God, I think they're two different, they're oh. two different styles. I, I think this, mm-hmm. again, is, is a testament to Thrawn's genius and what makes him so likable. It's like, like two... You know, when we read Thrawn, he's this ultimate invincible, oh, yes, the ships are going to turn to the left and we're going to destroy them this way. Like, it's a little over the top, right? But, like, we see these moments of weakness in this book where he he's kind of humble, honestly. Like, he talks about people being better than him and having skills. Like, he freely admits that politics is, like, not his strong point. Um, like, I think that uh, Arlani is different, though. I already said she kind of talks about the big picture. Is she better though? I don't know. Better is yeah. She's different. Yeah, better. Better is tough. I think honestly, Aralani and Thrawn are two brilliant co-commanders, co-workers. Like I think, like like Thrawn says, their energy really works well together. I think that he brings up the table, she doesn't. But she, in addition to being like a friend. And our romantic interest, like, is, is a mentor to him. And I think he is learning from her all the time. And I think the best partners, whether that be romantic, whether that be professional, the best learn from each other, no matter what. And I think that the way that Thrawn can acknowledge that shows how much he's already grown in the book and shows kind of how deep their connection can be. Now, when we're talking about who's a better commander... I agree. I think it's hard to decide because I think, are you talking about a specific one-on-one starship battle? Here's one thing. Are you talking about the morale of the troops? I think it's another thing. So I think that that's the strength of Zahn's writing at the end of the day is showing two brilliant people that work really well together and that nonetheless are willing to constantly evolve based on the situation. So I really, I I love the two of them together. Yeah. I I think 
But there is one. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. <laughs> I don't mean to like add a no, segment, but there is another character that I like even more than Arlani in this book that I think we're about. To yeah, talk about. I I think we probably are. But just to kind of round out um, Arlani, I I weirdly feel like. I don't want to make this like medical, but it's kind of like the Patch Adams debate. Like, do, do you it. want your doctor to be like exceedingly compa- compassionate, or do you want him to be cold and effective? You know what I mean. And I feel like it's a similar <laughs> yeah, thing okay. with the the leadership style of Thrawn and Arlani. It, it depends on what your favorite flavor of ice cream is, right? Each one of them is going to work yeah. for someone. Um, I don't think that either one of them is actually better. I think that. Before this book, I would have questioned whether Aralani was as strong as Thrawn. And now I find myself mm-hmm. questioning is Thrawn as strong as Aralani. And I think that just speaks volumes for what this book did for her character. Isn't that fun? That's, that's yeah. a little, I, I love that. Yeah, I think yes. that's it's one of the best things about Star Wars books is that characters are constantly evolving in everything in every book in which they show yeah. up. Because power dynamics shift and social dynamics shift. And, and that's so cool because you're not going to be the same person your entire life like Thrawn is not going to be the same level of effectiveness his whole life and if he never met someone that was as good at as him at everything then how bored would he be you know what I mean agreed um most important question is there couple name Thrawnalani or Ara Thrawni (laughs) Thrawnalani it's got to be Thrawnalani 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 all right Coda is now actively destroying my set um he is slinking away with his tail between his legs so let's move on to Thalius well Morton went crazy earlier sorry for y'all listening to that I don't know what was going on with our dogs tonight so uh let's talk about Thalius really interesting character I assume this is who you were referring to Eric yes she's an I love Thalia. Yeah, she was awesome. She was an ex-Skywalker who we met at the beginning of this story as she's actually trying to secure passage on Thrawn's ship uh, in the hopes of being able to observe him. And she ultimately takes a job as caretaker for the ship's current Skywalker, Cherry. And we later learn that she was able to mm-hmm. secure that position despite not having the credentials, thanks to help from Chiss leadership who asked her that she spy on Thrawn for them in return. So... First of all, let's talk about why Thalius wanted to observe Thrawn so badly. And that kind of stems from uh, an early experience that she had with him when she was still a Skywalker and she was starting to lose her, uh, what is it, third sight, I think? Uh, third yeah, sight, third yeah. sight. And Thrawn consoled her in their first meeting and told her that she would basically find a new purpose in life. And that really deeply impacted Thalius and she became kind of like low-key uh, uh, obsessed with him. She was like Thrawn's number one fan, um, had like a, a book of newspaper clippings about his career kind of <laughs> later on in the story. Yeah. What were your thoughts, though, on that meeting? What did it teach you about both Thalius and Thrawn individually? It kind of reminds me of a saying that someone always told me that you, you can tell a lot about a person's character by the way they treat their waiters. You know, like, when you have someone that is legitimately, like, serving you, if you are respectful and and kind and thoughtful to them, then that tells you all you need to know about that person because that's how they'll treat everyone that's – everyone of any stature. And I think Thrawn's instantaneous, you know, idea to care for uh, Thalys when she is a Skywalker or when she's young, when, she, when he has no reason to really make sure she feels okay – told me everything I need to know about this Thrawn character in this book. And I think it's honestly a big reason why I latched on to him so quickly. And, I mean, all of us can remember, if you were a kid and an adult or even, like, an older teenager or someone gives you the time of day and respects you, like, that that does a lot. It reminds me of Tarkin with Thane and Sienna in Lost Stars, you know? Like, that sets you on a path. And I think I totally get why she was like, I need to get back to this person that did so much for my life. And like guys with Thrawn, I think it's just that almost in the reverse. Like, he respected her, and there's no reason why he wouldn't respect her later when they meet up again. So I really liked what it did for both their characters. Yeah, I do too. That's a good analogy with the waiter, Eric. Like, um, I, thought it was, I thought we got a lot of kind of key insights. Ooh! There. Thanks for the f- um, oh, also, I'm going to cut you off. Spice Den just put something really nice. I feel like Thalius became the sister Thrawn lost to the Skywalkers. Yes. So he's wow. kind of seeing her again. That's beautiful. Nice. That's a subscribe right there, Kilo Pound. Thanks for that sub, Kilo that Pound. Ton. Holy smokes. Um, yeah, I'm totally with you. And, and that scene, that scene had a lot of very interesting insights into Thrawn as a character, too, because we had the whole, like, like he doesn't really, like, 
he doesn't really follow the rules. Like he kind of bends them to his own will a little bit because like he mm-hmm. clearly ignored the signs and went to the restricted area and the whole scene. Um, but uh, so I, I think it kind of has some insights into Thrawn kind of as a tactician as well in that scene. But yeah, I, I don't know why why exactly Thelius wanted to get back to Thrawn. I think you pretty much nailed it, Eric, that like maybe just because he had such an impact on her initially that she wanted to get back to that. But she really looked up to him and... I'm not sure if she was really seeking anything. Maybe she wanted to pay him back, maybe, for the value that, that he had brought to her. I'm not really sure. Like, that was never really elaborated on. I'm not, and I think there was some sort of internal dialogue with her as well that, that she was maybe not even entirely sure why she had fought so hard to make it Yeah, happen, you know? felt kind of compelled in a way. Cheryl did say in the chat, and I, I definitely got to agree, there is a bit of a crush aspect on it as well. I think she Perhaps. definitely has. There's a bit of an element of her having a crush on him to some extent for sure. Uh, but I also do like keeping it up in the air at least because sometimes you just, you got a feeling, you know, and you got to go for it. And I think she yeah. did. Yeah. I thought, I was just going to say, you know, I, I thought that their meeting kind of further enforced with me, the fact that Thrawn's not actually a villain, like that he's actually inherently a good yes. person. Yeah. And he just kind of happens to be associated with villainous entities like Palpatine. And, and I mean, I think you can yeah. view the just ascendancy that way as well. Um, but it's all just based on allegiances yep. that we don't really fully understand. Right. Completely. Yeah, totally. Totally agree with that. And I think, uh, I think Thalias is, she's very, I, I like that they carved, carved her out as being a unique character and not mm-hmm. just like this. She's not just a mom like character, right? Like, because that doesn't <laughs> yeah. really exist in the Chiss ascendancy. Like she's this sort of like, like she plays into a, mom-like role by being the caretaker of a skywalker but like she was also super unique in the way that she did things and i really like that 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 even says a lot about theron as a character he likes to surround himself with people who think of things like think of their role in in new and unique ways right like like she took care of of shiri like unlike any of the caretakers ever took care of her and i love that he used her as a major part of missions later on in the book like she had a huge role with the makeup and the hostage situation. That was awesome. She essentially became the co-protagonist of the book, I think. Like, this is – she really carved out her own. I mean, she went on her, on her own mission. She she did plenty of looking into the myth family herself. Like, there was a lot going on with her, and I really liked that as well. Like, we bring her in through Thrawn's gaze to kind of introduce her to the to the audience, but then she goes off – and she does her own thing as well, so that like we get to learn more about the ascendancy not only through Thrawn's eyes because he's only one place at a time, but Zahn can split them up as a narrative device to say, "Cool, here's also this stuff." Because she was the one that went up the mountain and talked to the patriarch, right? Mm-hmm. If I remember that yes. correctly. Yeah. Totally. So like, totally. we got that whole look at I the forgot about that. Like, yeah, she literally ascended the mountain and talked yeah, to one of those powerful chests. Such ever. a great like, scene. Yeah. Talk about the family politics stuff. Like when <laughs> she was making that huge hike up the mountain with all the, like uh, all the, the pillars the, and stuff, the pillars and the, the spikes oh. and stuff. That was awesome. Like, yeah, yeah it was she really clearly, got her own story arc. I love, she that. really did. She really, really did. And I, I hope that she continues to be a story. I think that I really do think that Thelius is shaping up to be the Eli Vanto of this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, agreed. I absolutely adore her as a character. I hope we get to see her in other stuff later on. And like, I wonder what they're going to do with her. Like, what's what's mm-hmm. what's the final outcome going to be for her? Is she going to become a military entity? Like, is she going to be associated with Thrawn? Like, how's it all going to play out? How is she going to handle Thrawn leaving and going to the Empire? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of questions. I, very interesting. I thought she was a fantastic I wonder, character. she very much mm-hmm. seems to be, you know, to have the confidence of Thrawn and, and the trust of Thrawn. And I wonder if she might not uh, know something about Eli Vanto coming back to the Ascendancy. I think it'd be really cool to see those Ooh. two teamed up. Yes. <laughs> Spice Den says in the so, chat, those two I could ship. Eli Vanto and Thelius. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Eli and Eli and Thelius kind of getting together and maybe working mm-hmm. with Thrawn, kind of in the chess side of things. Like, I don't know, man. I love that we have that we have like Thrawn's middle story told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have we have his story from all through the Thrawn trilogy, the original Thrawn trilogy, the new Thrawn stuff, his role in Rebels. We don't know what happens to him at the end of Rebels, and we also don't know his origin story. And we're kind of getting at both of those things. So, well. At least we're getting the origin story. Right. I, yeah. I assume they're eventually going to tell. It's oh, coming will. someday. It's got to come eventually. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, y'all, I think that's about all the time that we have 
tonight. We've still got to talk about Cherry, about Bakif, about Kalori of Uandalan, about Yiv the Benevolent, and then we've got a whole bunch of overarching questions and Easter eggs, just like we always do. So we're going to save all that for part two come next episode. Awesome. Well, uh, to end out this show, then, we are going to give you all some updates on some goings-on at Utini just to keep you all informed. As a reminder, Utini game nights are still going every single week. Last week, we had a doubleheader of Friday and Saturday night playing some Star Wars Squadrons. One night was good. One night was bad. Uh, Wes, looking ahead, what can we ha- what can we expect from Utini game night? This week, uh, Andrew Bell is going to be playing... Um, I believe he might be playing Empire at War again. Not sure. He uh, I believe he has uh, Battlefront as well, but it might be a mystery up until Friday when he's uh, when he's ready to play. But um, we always have room for squadrons, so there could be some some um, some quick sessions that pop up here and there on Friday nights, Saturday nights of uh, the five of us getting together and getting slaughtered and not winning any <laughs> missions. So if you'd like that- to see that. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we're going to have to like for a little bit less technical of a setup next time because I definitely think that hindered our performance. Yeah, there it is. That, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anytime uh, anyone listening, you want to play some Star Wars Squadrons, in utini.com slash Discord, there is a Star Wars Squadrons channel uh, that people are always looking for players, looking to, to hang out. And it is cross-play, so everyone can play together. No pressure, of course, but if you feel like it, head on over there. A reminder, too, we have the Kanji Book Club every Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They are currently going through Dark Disciple by Christy Golden, one of our favorites. Uh, that is coming out weekly, also on the Patreon feed. Uh, we have a new Lightspeed Skipping episode that came out today, a very special one, I might say. So you may <laughs> want to check that out. Uh, and if you didn't hear, the Ghost Cruise show that Charlie and I do about Star Wars Rebels has switched to an every other week release schedule, so that will be coming out Next Wednesday, I will pick back up on that so you get one of those every week. And, of course, at the end of the month, Bounty Hunt will be returning with the second season of The Mandalorian. Quick little fantasy football update because, yes, you teeny people are playing fantasy football together. I want to give a quick shout-out to our very own Patreon manager, Patreon manager, <laughs> Timothy <laughs> Gunnery, Manather, who at this point has the most points of the week. Um, and, yes, if you were wondering, he is playing me. So... Congrats, I was man. wondering that. Good job. You're the worst. Uh, but that, that has been a lot of fun. Uh, because at Utini, in the Discord, we find people that have all these other weird likes. Like, we got people talking about Dune every day. We got people talking about random movies. Love y'all. Uh, as a reminder, uh, you can find out all that stuff. Discord, Patreon, place to find us. And with that, my friends, all that thrawny goodness, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, head over to Discord and join the Aftermath After Show video channel right now to hang out with us for the after party. $5 patrons get to listen. $10 patrons get to join. A special thank you to Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder, and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council, and Kyle Hickman and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support of this show and all things Utini. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Hankel. Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thanks to Corey, Charles, and Wes for podcasting with me, getting the boys back together. Thanks to all of you for watching, and as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you. <laughs>